Thank you for joining us for this chapel message from the campus of Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. Our mission at CIU is to educate people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Good morning. Can y'all put good in the morning? Good morning. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? Awesome. Well, it indeed is a privilege to be here, and um, I, I, I really don't just say that. I really mean that. Um, it really is a privilege to be here with you guys and you all online as well. It's good, but it's a privilege to be here at Columbia International University. And um, I don't know if you all recognize how privileged you are and how blessed you are to be here, but I'm privileged to be here and to be here before you um, on this week and um, these next few days. And it really is an honor to be here uh, with you all. Um, I also want to thank, um, thank the board of this institution for allowing me to come in and um, to come in and share. I want to um, thank Dr. Christman. He's right somewhere. He might have just left to go teach his Bible. So I want to thank him. Um, also, um, Dr. Smith. We're praying for Dr. Smith. I pray for him on a regular basis and um, praying for God to raise him up. Amen. And um, um, amen. Amen. And praying for God to touch his body. Dr. Jones, when I came here years ago when he was president here, I still got notes from sitting down, visiting with him and talking with him and um, learning from him. And this school has a great heritage. And you all will hear about that great heritage as you all matriculate and graduate. And of course, my good friend, Dr. Andre Rogers. And um, I knew him before he got married. And um, when he got married and I knew his daughter, I ain't going to embarrass her, but I knew his daughter before she was even born. And she don't know it yet, but she's going to be my daughter-in-law one day. And so um, they hadn't formally met in that context, but hey, we're going to trust the sovereignty of God. Uh, all right. <laughs> we're going to trust God. And um, I've met many friends here over the years here at CIU. I don't want to say all the names, but... Um, um, Ms. Kim Abbott had a chance to meet her a number of years ago. I think she was the AD maybe back then. And then um, Brother Richie is the AD now. And I'm excited for him. My son and I came down here. He was looking for schools and had a chance to work out with Coach Stockman and them for a couple of days back this summer. They showed us great house. Are y'all still supporting the basketball team? Oh, yeah. Are y'all still supporting the basketball team? Are y'all still supporting the basketball team? <laughs> All right, now. So you got to support the Hoopers when you are here as well. So I'm excited about that. I don't have much time. Um, they, they say I get to speak again at 7, so I'll just go from now. We'll take a lunch break. I'll pick back up, and we'll go right through 7 o'clock, all righty? No, I'm just kidding. Um, the stakes are really high, and let's pray. God, we do thank you and praise you, Lord, for our time together today. I thank you, Lord, for Columbia International University. I thank you, God, for what you have done through this institution for this institution and beyond this institution, God. We give your name glory and honor and praise God for what you have done. Now I pray, God, that Lord, you would speak through me to this student body. And God, I pray, God, that Lord, something would be said, God, beyond me that would impact their spiritual life and contribute to their preparation for ministry. Lord, we love you and we trust you and we yield this time to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask it all. Amen. Amen. When I tell you guys I'm privileged to be here, that really is the honest God truth. And I've got a lot of um, confidence in what this school does. Um, as a senior pastor where God has allowed me to shepherd and serve up under his leadership, 
Our institution is passionate about your institution. And I cast a vision for my church to let's help raise funds for Columbia International University because of the quality of students that are here at CIU. Now, I want you all to know that I'm a Dallas Seminary alumnus. I attended Southern Bible Theological Seminary for a while. I'm working on my um, uh, PhD, permanent head damage. Um, and um, smile at me. <laughs> at Southwestern, I took a break for a while. I thought about coming here and finishing up. But I'm going to continue um, at Southwestern. I'm a ABD at this point, Auburn Dissertation. So you'll see me in the library tomorrow, pecking away, reading away, working on that. But in the midst of all those schools, Texas Christian University, Dallas Baptist, Dallas Theological, in the midst of all institutions, we have chosen to make Columbia International University our primary higher theological education school that we want to support financially. So, uh, amen. So when I say I believe in you guys, it's not just what I'm saying. I recognize the stakes are really high. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. And so God wants to use you all to go and to make a difference in the lives of people before he comes back. The stakeholders are those who will benefit from what you do. First Timothy four, verse 16 says, keep a close watch on yourself and on, and on the teaching. Persist in this for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And so one thing they don't tell you in seminary is that you coming to get this education is not just merely about you, but it's about the people who you will go and minister to one day. But somewhere along the way, we forget about ourselves and all we think about is, 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 is ministering to other people. And I want to tell you, if you don't hear anything else today, make sure you pay close attention to yourself, your walk with God, your intimacy with God, your closeness with God. Amen. You're preparing for a lifetime of ministry. You're not just here to, to get a grade. These, these four years, five years, six years, seven years, this time period will go by much faster than what you anticipate. But I promise you, if you do this right, it will serve you for the rest of your life. Dr. Rodgers and I, we spent time at Dallas Seminary together and worked on our Masters of Theology. I think it's a 126-hour degree program. And I think he finished his in three and a half years. And I finished mine in three and a half years, and we know what we were thinking, but we were just crazy and focused. But we had no idea what an impact that would make for the rest of our lives. And I promise you, every week and every day I do ministry, I thank God for my theological education. And it does not depreciate, it appreciates every year. And so I appreciate my theological education because it appreciates every year. And when you do it right, it will prepare you not just for a sermon, not just for a Bible study, not just for a small group. It will prepare you for the complexities of ministry for the rest of your life. You all are sacrificing a great deal to study here. You all sacrifice your time. You sacrifice parties. You sacrifice, well, some parties, smile at me. Uh, you sacrifice your your money, you're supposed to laugh right there. You sacrifice your money, you sacrifice your energies, you sacrifice your comfort zone to prepare for ministry. You're hoping to make an impact for the glory of God one day, amen? And that boy, you're here and you're having fun, but these four years, they, they go by five, um, fast. 
I want to tell you, but you all, you all are living a countercultural life. You don't recognize it because everybody else around you right now is kind of living the same kind of life. Everybody broke. Smile at me. Okay, everybody trying to figure out some clothing and, and housing and going to visit family and they're sending you money trying to make it through. But I promise you all, you all are living a countercultural life right now. Once you leave this theological bubble, you're going to see how broken this world really is. And your task in ministry, whether you're going to be a Bible, um, um, a Sunday school class teacher, a Bible college teacher, a Christian school teacher, a local missionary, an international missionary. Once you bust the bubble, you're going to figure out how huge the stakes are, how broken people are, how impossible ministry is apart from the Holy Spirit and how you're going to be trying to pull out a fire with a garden hose. And you're going to figure out that, boy, this thing called ministry is far beyond you, is far beyond your ability, is far beyond your knowledge, is far beyond your network, is far beyond your resources, is far beyond what you learned in college. But God has called you to it and you are there committed trying to make a difference. Are we tracking together? And I want to suggest to you all the biggest will in the world is the will of God. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, you all know this passage, it's, it's in the middle of the disciples' prayer. It really wasn't the Lord's prayer because he was teaching his disciples how to pray. And he said, pray, um, pray likewise. And in verse 10, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Today, this term kingdom has become a cliche or become a banner or an excuse or a reason for people to do whatever they want to do in the ministry. And they've lost the distinctiveness of the kingdom. So we just automatically just insert the word kingdom as an excuse, as a rationale, as a defense, whatever we want to do in ministry. But when you read the Bible and you do a lexical search on the term kingdom, basileia in the New Testament, there are over 300 uses of the term kingdom in the Bible. So when you read about kingdom, it's not just some generic definition of kingdom. Kingdom is a very distinctive reality on how we're going to function. If you all want to allow me today, I want to talk about kingdom ministry in crazy times. K-R-A-Z-Y. Kingdom ministry in crazy times. I'm foolish enough to believe that God's going to use you to minister to people in the midst of crazy times. I'm foolish enough to believe that God's going to transform you from the inside out to go and make a difference somewhere in this world with limited resources, limited ability, but fully dependent upon the calling and the reality of the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen? 
It is suggested that after five years of graduation, 80% of seminary graduates, college, gra college graduates from institutions are no longer in ministry. And I want to suggest that what happens is, number one, either they were not called, or number two, they don't really understand the kingdom. Are we tracking together? So I want to help you all have a better understanding of the kingdom ministry in crazy times. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 27, it says, and the kingdom and the dominions and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom and all dominion shall serve and obey him. We use this concept called the kingdom. If you read Alvin McLean's book, The Greatness of the Kingdom, he'll suggest that in the kingdom, we often oversimplify the kingdom. Are we tracking together? And so we'll oversimplify the kingdom and we'll say, you know what, the kingdom just means um, 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 the ministry of God or the kingdom just means being biblical or the kingdom just means being a Christ follower. But when you read and just, and just do a lexical study, never mind the lordship study in the New Testament, you'll see that the kingdom is far more than just a, 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 a label. So the question becomes, how in the world do we do kingdom ministry in crazy times? Kingdom ministry is rooted in a kingdom motivation. What's going to keep you on the mission field, what's going to sustain you in ministry, what's going to help you endure the backbiting, the persecution, the, the fight you have in ministry is the kingdom motivation. Are we tracking together? We live in a world where times are crazy. Who would have ever thunk that five African-American police officers, excuse my vernacular, I'm from the hood in Detroit, would beat down another black man? A number of years ago, you know, it was a big issue when there was an Anglo guy beating down an African-American man. And guys, you know what, I want to show you, this thing is not merely a racial issue. It's a humanity issue. What do you do with corrupt humanity? What do you do with depravity? What do you do with broken communities? What do you do when people can't get along? What do you do when people don't serve God? What do you do when people don't believe in Christian values and God's values and God's ways and God? What do you do? We live in crazy times. To stay in the ministry, you'll have to have a good kingdom philosophy. The answer to a chaotic meal you is a kingdom ministry. We must understand kingdom ministry if we're going to unleash kingdom ministry. Amen? Amen? Well, the question becomes, what in the world is the kingdom? People kind of give a generic definition of, well, well, it's the rule of God. And that is true. And boy, there are three elements to the, to the, to the, to the kingdom of God. There's the, there's the reign of God. There's the kingship of God. And then there's the royal authority of God. Now, that is a generic definition of the kingdom. Let me offer you a little bit more nuanced definition of the kingdom.
You might want to write this down. Put it, put it in your iPhone you're going to get when you get the iPhone store here. Smile at me. Kingdom is the complex and comprehensive rule of God over all of creation. Kingdom is the comprehensive, I'm sorry, it's the complex, complex and comprehensive rule of God over all of creation. It's not just merely the rule of God, because when you say that God rules, well, well God, if you ruled, why those five guys beat down that man in Memphis? God, if you rule, why is there a white church and a black church and they can't get along on Sunday morning? God, if you rule, why is there so much division in our nation between the liberal left and the conservative right? God, if you rule, why do Christian households have kids who grow up but don't follow their parents' example and their parents' teaching? God, if you rule, why is there so much evil and wickedness in our world? So when you make this idea talking about God rules and God's in charge and God has this kingdom, it doesn't look like God is ruling right now if you tell the truth. Amen? We are in the minority and even Christians can't get along. And so I add the word complex because God does rule, but there's an element of God ruling right now. But God ultimately and futuristically submitting all things unto himself. So while we minister for God in the context of his kingdom, God is in charge. God is in control. There are confidence serving him, but God has not fully subjected all things unto himself. And since God is waiting to come back, God has given you and I an opportunity in the context of his kingdom rule to help people submit themselves to his kingdom. Are we tracking together? And what happens is very often Christian people don't have a fully developed kingdom theology and they have non-secretaries when it comes to trying to explain the rule of God in the midst of so much chaos. And why aren't things coming together if God is in charge? There's this thing called a meta-narrative. And y'all excuse me for being so academic today. I'll be less academic this evening. Amen? 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 But I am at a theological institution, right? Amen? Amen. Online. Is this a theological institution? Smile at me. All right. <laughs> the meta narrative today is that people are, are trying to redefine the gospel because what they see in culture is so, um, it's so deviant, it's so chaotic that they're suggesting that the old school gospel just doesn't work anymore. So you got guys like Scott McKnight, H. Norman Wright, who are redefining the gospel and what the reference was to the law. Y'all good? They call it a new Pauline perspective. They're, they are redefining the gospel because they don't like the old gospel works anymore. I want to suggest that the, that the ultimate meta-narrative is not the new perspective on Paul, it's not changing the gospel, that but we ought to have a meta-narrative of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God oversees both testaments. 
So whether you are dispensational, you are covenantal, I think we all agree we're all trying to serve God's kingdom, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. Amen. So the complex of kingdom is the complex, comprehensive rule of God over all creation. Are we tracking together? And then the concept of the kingdom, watch this now, the kingdom is not, is not per se, we're not making reference to a house, we're not making reference to a mansion, we're not making reference to, 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 to some location that's secluded and blocked by a gate um, in, in, in South Carolina. We're making reference to an eternal abstract that is a concrete reality. It's the kingdom of God, amen? Here's what I'm trying to do, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying to get you street ready. See, it's easy to be a scholar up in here. It's easy to be, you know what, I'm a, I'm a 4.0, I got all the answers. But when you get on the street, how do you explain to a, to, a, to a mother whose son was kidnapped and they tried to traffic him and she calls and says he's missing and she walks with God and she serves God. How do you explain to her that God is still real and God is in control? How do you explain to a mother who's burying her 33-year-old child? How do you explain to a, to a man who he and his wife have committed themselves and their resources to ministry and mission and his wife had incurable cancer and died at 60 years old? Those are three recent situations I've had to address in my congregation. How do you address that? They don't want to go read BDAG. They don't want to go read your systematic theology. They need a kingdom theology as you're sitting across the table from them. How do you explain why, well, we shouldn't be, um, we should not change our perspective on gender. How do you deal with the ethical issues of our days? You know what, God is still in charge and we still ought to submit ourselves to him and no matter how powerful the voting block is, that boy, we still want to believe that God is the one who defines truth. We tracking together? I'm trying to get your street ready. But you've got to have a kingdom theology to address that. What is the content of kingdom theology? It's the word of God. And so at some level, everything you read about the word in, in the word of God is the content of the kingdom of God. What is the content of the kingdom? The content of the kingdom is integrating the word of God into the world of God. Listen to me well. I know people who know Old Testament, New Testament, theology, angelology, missiology, New Testament, et cetera, et cetera. But when they sit across from somebody and ask them a simple life question, they don't have a clue how to answer them. What good does your theology do you if you can't help somebody walk with Christ? How good is your theology if you, if you can't sit there and talk to somebody who's got, who's, got, who's got gender disillusionment on why they ought to serve God? What good when well, you're talking to a young girl who's pregnant, she say, you know what, I can't afford to keep this baby. How does your kingdom theology come into play and you talk to her? Well, my, my big thing recently was I heard, I heard everybody talking about those five cops who got fired up in Memphis. One of my college teammates is on the Memphis Police Department. He said, man, it's crazy right now. We can't wear our uniforms to work. We can wear our, our uniforms home for work. And people say, you know what? Those five guys, we ought to, we ought to lock. Christians are saying, we ought to lock them up and throw away the key. See, so, you know, that's a deplorable theology. 
That's a horrible theology. Well, 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 Pastor, do you agree with what they did? No, I don't agree with what they did, but what I recognize is this. They even need salvation or sanctification. And that if Jesus Christ was sitting across from them, he wouldn't say, throw away the key, lock them up, leave them there forever. He would say, you know what? I'm full of grace and truth. That's good. You need the grace of God. But I'm still going to tell you the truth. There's a consequence for your actions. But I want to help transform your heart so from this point forward, you can represent me. I want to move you from hopelessness to hopefulness. That's kingdom theology. I want to encourage you guys, don't get caught up in this political thing. You know what? We ought to transcend politics. Isaiah 9 says the government shall rest upon his shoulders. One of our challenges today is that we're resting our churches on government shoulders. I think it was Einstein that says, boy, you cannot resolve a problem at the same level of consciousness at which the problem was created. Translation, you cannot solve earthly problems with earthly wisdom. If you're going to resolve earthly problems, you need heavenly wisdom and heavenly power to resolve earthly problems and earthly issues and earthly um, 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 depravity. You need heavenly help to do that. Amen. I was sharing with somebody before service and boy, um, before service, before this, boy, he asked me, he said, well, man, what advice would you have for a young man? I said, man, you know what my advice would be? Trust and obey. He was looking for something more sophisticated. And boy, I got plenty of education. I got probably about 350 earned credit hours in accredited institutions. But I said, man, after all that education, and I'm thankful for it. But at the end of the day, it's real simple. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I want to ask you guys to come back tonight. I'm going to move more practical. I want to lay a theological foundation for a lifetime of ministry. And you cannot do kingdom ministry in a crazy world with a K unless you have a fully developed kingdom theology, understand it well enough to unleash it and to integrate it into every area of life. I'll see you guys tonight at seven. God bless you. We hope you found this message a blessing to your life. More Columbia International University Chapel messages are available at iTunes and at podcast.ciu.edu. Learn more about CIU's undergraduate, seminary, and graduate programs at our website, ciu.edu. Columbia International University educates people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to minister to you today.